0: Each time the police would come to our place, it was only when we had our Black friends at our home. This individual had the audacity to ask Aaron if we were doing anything illegal and try to get him on film, threatening him so he could use that to share with the police. Never let the uneducated and the fearful take your power. I had let this person take my power for far too long and I'm taking it back. Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. My mission is to help you crush your self-limiting beliefs and embrace being unapologetically you. The Born Unbreakable podcast brings you inspirational stories from all over the world that will empower you to unlock your unbreakable spirit. I'd love to partner with you on your next breakthrough. Go to bornunbreakable.com to schedule a free transformational call. Action begins today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I am your host, Coach Des, and this is episode 155, creatively, accurately, and very specifically titled, What I Learned From My Racist Neighbor. So if you're curious as to why I've taken about a month off from podcasting, I've been going through some personal things, some very positive that I'm excited to update you on and some not so positive, but I want to turn a negative into a positive by sharing my experience with you. And I intentionally waited to do this episode because I needed to process my experience for myself so I could have the right level of reflection and therefore engagement with you as my audience. So there is good reason why we've taken a little bit of a hiatus, but I am back and very excited about the episodes that are to come ahead. So let's start with a couple of updates before we get into our topic for today. Updates, some exciting updates. So one of the things that I have been very focused on is my health. As you may or may not know, if this is one of the first episodes that you're listening to of the Born Unbreakable podcast, I moved to Las Vegas about two years ago, close to two years ago from the Bay Area. And as I established my routine here, which I love, by the way, being here. It's a great place. It's a great place for my mom to be retired. And uh, it's a small oasis compared to the big Bay Area. So yes, there is traffic and all the things of a big city, but it is much smaller. And so now I complain about a half an hour versus 90 minutes. So anyways, one of the things that I did not adjust to quickly was a diligence and dedication that I used to have around my health and wellness and fitness. And for those of you that have known me for a long time, that's something that is such a high priority for me. I used to work out twice a day sometimes, eat incredibly healthy, and just to cut straight to the chase had fallen off the bandwagon. And so... I was really, really in search of something that could help me get back on track because I hadn't established a routine here. I used to be walkable to my gym that was very extensive. I would do walks with one of my great friends, Donna, in the morning, and so it was just amazing. And here, it was just a hot mess a hot mess, honestly, and so I saw an ad about a challenge, a transformational challenge. This was back in April, so it was just uh, almost two months ago, and it was a challenge about transforming your body and losing up to 25 pounds in six weeks, and of course, you know, Super skeptical at first because anything that happens really quickly, I question because then it's is it sustainable? Like, what do you have to do? Well, it was kickboxing. And so I said, you know what? I need to do something different. I need to get uncomfortable. And I really do need to put myself in a better position than I was in. So I went to the kickboxing studio and I met with Coach Diamond who is an incredible coach there. And she introduced me to this transformational program, and we set my goals. And my goal was to lose 20 pounds. How I would do that? I was terrified. I did not think that it was going to work. But essentially, we had a plan of doing at least three kickboxing classes a week. That was the very minimum. So of course, naturally, as an A-type personality, I would want to do more than that. So I certainly did. And then the biggest thing in the challenge was around nutrition. So there was a very specific nutrition plan that I had to follow for six weeks. I used the My Accountability app and I bought supplements to help boost the transformation process through Prestige Labs, if you're curious. And so... Long story short, I was very committed, very, very committed to the challenge, and by week six when the challenge ended, I lost 19 and a half pounds, and now we're almost uh, two weeks later, so about eight weeks, and I've now lost 22 pounds. And so I surpassed my goal, it took me uh, about a week and a half longer, but wow, the one thing I can say is that this reminded me that you truly can do anything that you put your mind to. Anything that you put your mind to. I was in my head about this. You know, I stopped drinking after my birthday in January. That was just a decision that I wanted to make for myself, for my health uh And this was the next step in my journey. And today, I actually went to a nutrition workshop that was hosted by the owner of the kickboxing studio. And I learned even more things about nutrition, even after I had completed the six week challenge. So... That was one of my most exciting updates that I wanted to share with you if you haven't been following my journey on social media. So what else? Uh, Consulting business is very thriving. I have clients all throughout the US and Canada, predominantly doing executive coaching, which is one of my favorite things to do. I also do diversity, equity, and inclusion work and change management work. So it's a very bustling time. Uh, so I'm very grateful for the opportunities and the business that is, you know, coming my way. Lots of learning, lots of growth. It's been awesome. The other thing I'm very excited about is the Fourth of July holiday is coming. Uh, I don't get too jazzed up about holidays, except for the fact that you have a longer weekend, which I look forward to because I always love long weekends, but my family's coming into town. So I'm very excited to see my sister, my brother-in-law, my nieces, because we haven't gotten to spend extended time together. The last trip that I made to the Bay Area in the beginning was June, in June was to watch my younger niece jackie graduate from middle school but it was a very quick trip so i'm glad we get to spend more time together other updates what am i reading or listening to right now so there's actually two audiobooks that i've simultaneously listening listening to so i alternate kind of back and forth between the two of them but i am listening to the millionaire next door which is by thomas stanley and william danko It's a very good book about the secrets of the wealthy. So I would encourage that. It is one that I had just finished was I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Safi, which was awesome. I like that style of a book a little bit more because he's he's more raw. This book is a bit more formal, but essentially without giving everything away, it goes through the facets of how you are either an under accumulator of wealth or a prodigious accumulator of wealth which means that you either consume way too much and that is what is keeping you from being wealthy or you are very intentional conscientious and frugal in your decisions and that attitude and profile of existence is what is going to get you closer to being a millionaire. And so the reason it's called Millionaire Next Door is because it is often those who are unassuming, that don't drive the flashy cars, that don't have the bling bling, that are not flaunting all their stuff on social media, that are the ones that are a lot more wealthy than you think. So... If you are out there trying to keep up with the Joneses and are using social media as a barometer for wealth, think again. That is not the only place that you should use as an example for what to aspire to, because if you talk to Your neighbors, you might find out that quite a few of them are more wealthy than you think because of the smart decisions that they've made. So that is one book recommendation. The other book I am listening to right now, which I like that raw style of just straight shooter, is David Goggins, Never Finished. A couple years ago, I listened to Can't Hurt Me. I'm sure many of you have too. Uh, David Goggins grew up with a shitty childhood. A lot of bad trauma and memories that he experienced uh, with the abuse that he saw from his father to his mother. And that led him down a path of making choices that was going to make his life better. So ultramarathoning, breaking records and all things fitness. He was a Navy SEAL, went to Army Ranger School. Just about anything that you think is possibly impossible because of the physical duress and torment that it would take on your body, that man has done. And this book is the next evolution of where he is in his life. And it's very inspiring. So it's another great one to listen to if you're looking for something interesting out there. So... I think those are all the big updates. The only other thing I'll say is uh you know, I want to be very intentional about the episodes that are coming your way. And so I am thinking of some really great themes for the next remainder of 2023 that will engage you, excite you, bring you to the show in ways that will keep you invigorated to keep learning so i'm going to have amazing guests but i'm also going to give you more doses of me that is not something that i've done really historically through the duration of my podcast you know i like making things about other people but in order for you to connect more with me and my show you have to get to know me and what i think and what my opinion is about things so you'll see me put myself out there more you might like it you might hate it but I want you to know what I stand for. And this episode is probably the beginning of this chapter. So you know what? Despite its title being what I learned from my racist neighbor, I'm going to go ahead and thank my racist neighbor because it's pushed me to think differently and to think about how to propel forward in the face of adversity. So I'm going to break it down for you. Here's a situation. Number one, you already know racism is real. All over the world, especially in America, we've saw everything that has unfolded through the years, especially after, you know, the George Floyd situation, Breonna Taylor and everything else. So We know that it is alive and especially when we saw the Trump administration, you know, that really set on fire the the reality of where we are as a country in the United States. And so that has been the canvas, the environment, and the backdrop of the world that we live in. I think it doesn't become real or feel real until it is you that is affected by racism, right? It's kind of like white privilege. You don't realize your white privilege until you're in a situation and all of a sudden you realize that somebody else next to you who is not white is getting treated differently than yourself. It's, it has to, you have to come face to face with it to really understand what it feels like and what the experience is. So, uh, if you'd, if you followed along with my show last year, one of the things that I did here in Las Vegas is purchase an investment property. It's a beautiful property in Southwest Las Vegas. And, uh, It's awesome. It's in a great location. It's close to the airport. It's close to the strip. It's a perfect home for entertaining. Erin and I very excited about the wonderful parties that we host, and it's just tremendous. There's no HOA, so that was another plus for us because we didn't want to deal with all the homogeneity of you know um, what HOAs bring. So we started hosting parties and is just a blast. So much fun. And we love people to enjoy our place for everything that it has to offer. Well, in December is the first instance that we had a neighbor. We didn't know who it was, complain to Airbnb about us having a party at our home. And the interesting thing was at that time, we were on Airbnb, we are no longer on Airbnb. And at that time we were, we were hosting a party for a friend and the person thought someone was renting from us and throwing a party. Airbnb responded to this individual and said, There is no booking on this date. So unfortunately, there's not anything that we can do. So that was the first instance that we had somebody make a phone call and complain. That was back in December. So I can summarize for you that in the last seven months, we've had the police come to our home at least a half a dozen times to confront us for having parties. What's interesting And this is what we started to uncover is that each time the police would come to our place, it was only when we had our black friends at our home. I'll tell you what, we've had some tremendous parties with people who are not black and not once did the police show up. We're on a first, they're on a first name basis with us. Like, do you think that's enjoyable when the police come to your house and they're greeting you by your first name? That is not something that you want to be the case, right? Like that's, I, I get anxiety just thinking about how things have unfolded for the last seven months. And so A, I realized that racism was happening in our place because that is quite interesting of a trend. And I pointed it out to the police very blatantly That I find it very interesting, and by the way, you know, um, big big ups to the police. So this is definitely not an episode where I'm, um, you know, going to talk ill. You know, my brother-in-law is a police officer, is a lieutenant, so I, I think very highly of law enforcement. But I will say that in the beginning of my interactions with them, uh, it wasn't so pleasant because I felt like it was a hostile environment. Like we were getting accused of things that uh, we shouldn't have been getting accused of. But over the course of the last few months, we've built a nice relationship and they find that they come to our home and nothing is happening and therefore they leave. And so that hasn't that is not the issue. Calling the police and having us deal, deal with conversations with them is not the issue. The issue is the reason by which you're calling the police, uh, because there isn't anything illegal or anything being violated when they come. There's no violence. There's, there's no, you know, activities that are lewd. There's no noise. There's no ordinances being broken. And so, the only reason that this person is deciding to call is because they see cars parked on our property and us having a gathering, particularly disturbed when it is people of color, black to be very specific. And so we figured out who this, I called it a Karen because that is the the name, right? And the police even called him a Darren. So there is a name that even the police have given to this individual um, because of his ridiculous, obnoxious, aggravating behavior. So we discovered who it was because uh, Aaron, my partner, had a Encounter or interaction with this person, might I say. So one day, this neighbor who I just, I want to tell you his name so bad, but you know, I'm going to be respectful and not do that. Uh, We're just going to call him Darren, okay? Was recording our house. He was recording our house with his phone. Acting like he was not recording our house with his phone, Aaron confronted him to ask him why he continues to harass us, why he continues to call the cops on us. And this individual had the audacity to ask Aaron if we were doing anything illegal and try to get him on film, threatening him so he could use that to share with the police. And of course, Aaron is not threatening him. Certainly, he was calling him names, which is his First Amendment, right? But he wasn't doing any kind of threats. And he had something in his pocket and the neighbor asked him, he was trying to accuse him of having some sort of a weapon in his pocket and it was a garage door opener. And so naturally, he took it took it out to show him that it was a garage door opener. So this whole thing was video recorded. And of course, because... He enjoys stalking us literally like it's a full-time job. And he shared that with the police. And of course, the police couldn't do anything because there wasn't any threats except for name-calling, which isn't illegal to do. And so therefore, nothing happened. My conversation with the police was, I find it interesting that we've provided our phone number to this individual And Aaron had told him, if you have any concerns whatsoever, please don't hesitate to call us so we can have a conversation. He never, not one time has ever done that to resolve things like civilized human beings for anything, any concern that he has ever had with us and continues to go to the police. And I told them, don't you think it's interesting that a grown man is not reaching out when we had extended that olive branch to give our phone number, like that is a very immature way to engage with your the community around you. And they too agree and wish that he would do that. And so he has created such hostility that it makes it difficult for us to want to have a civilized conversation with someone who appears to be incapable of doing that. And so we now know who it is. He has installed not one, but two cameras directly pointed at our house. And that can also see um, another neighbor. He, We're not the only neighbor that he monitors. He does this to everybody. And is very accusatory. And it feels like a complete invasion of your privacy. And there's not anything that we really can do about it. It's his right if he wants to put cameras and watch us like a stalker. I feel like I'm in a movie. It's, it's crazy. This whole experience has totally broken me down. I'm not, I'm not even going to downplay that. It's the reason why I needed to take a break. I, I've had to, and and here's the irony: this is this is why I was so conflicted about this, is that as part of my career, I get paid, okay, to go into hospitals and health systems and organizations in the U.S. and Canada to help them. With diversity issues to help them to progress their agenda as it pertains to diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. So I'm moving the needle on a large scale with institutions to try to take them from good to great. And that is a lofty task. It takes long. It's arduous. It's sensitive because change is difficult but I'm doing that on a large scale. And I'm sitting here going, I'm doing this in these huge organizations and I cannot fucking accomplish dealing with my racist neighbor, someone that is right next to me in my area, my town, right here at home. I'm out there doing all the things And here at home, I can't even do the things. So I was just so frustrated by that. So freaking frustrated by that, right? And so I'm sitting there and this is where I want to get into the lessons of what I've learned, okay? Why is that? Why is it that I can move the needle on this big scale and not right here? It's like those kitchen table conversations that you hear about. Well, I'll tell you why is because not everyone has the desire and the capacity to change. If you are not open enough to learn and grow and you choose to stay closed-minded, then that needle isn't going anywhere. It doesn't matter if I extend an olive branch, if you are not going to, on your end, Receive and be willing to listen. Right. And so that's one of the biggest things. You have to want to change. You have to want to be open minded to have to start a conversation, at least to start it and to see where the possibility can go. Right. And so I don't, I don't want to believe. (laughs) You know, I, I, I want to believe that every person has the ability to change, but you can't force that. There's some people that just do not have that desire. And I have to, I have to think that there is situations, circumstances, and experiences that have happened to this individual that has made him come to this conclusion around minorities, uh, you know and 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 that's the thing so when someone lacks understanding it pushes you to understand further what is that individual situation that he's so paranoid right so i don't i don't have all the answers but it's just a revelation that i've you know contemplated on and here's the other thing about racism it's a lack of understanding and it's fear-based. It's a lack of understanding of people that you probably don't know much about, have stereotypes about, and haven't taken the time to learn. And when you perpetuate that behavior, then you make progress very difficult. And so one of my biggest lessons is never let the uneducated and the fearful take your power. Never let the uneducated and the fearful take your power. I had let this person take my power for far too long and I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back, right? So I think the most important thing that I've learned through all of this is that it's, it's normal to be angry. I can't even imagine in the 1960s how angry Martin Luther King Jr. was for all of the unrest that was going on, all of the lack of civility that was happening all around him. But he chose to do what? To be better. And so in in the midst of this kind of adversity, you have to make the choice to be better, to do better, and to change the game. The best kind of revenge on somebody who is so small-minded is to show them that they don't win by you doing the same kind of poor behavior that they do. And so you have to change the game. And here's the interesting observation, right? We're the only minorities that own a home in this area. My neighbors to the left are white, my neighbors to the right are white, and all the neighbors in front of me are white, and the neighbors that are kitty corner to us are white. It's very interesting, just an observation. We're the only minorities. I don't know how he feels about that. One can conclude, based on his behavior, that he feels a type of way about that by continuously calling the authorities for things for for us gathering, essentially, right? So you have to change the game. You have to be better and you have to do better. And so I know what he would like is to drive us out of the neighborhood by continuing to call and to complain every time we have a gathering with our family or our friends. And At whatever point we choose to do something different and make another investment, it will not be because this small-minded individual drove us out. It will be a conscientious decision that's made when we feel like the business opportunity is there to do so. But I will not let somebody that is that small-minded take my power. And so that is the message that I have for you in this episode, is if you have experienced racism, are experiencing racism, are somebody who has had this experience your whole life, and it's not just circumstantial, like in our case. And I'll I'll be the first to say I'm not sitting here telling you the story that I've spent my whole life with you know all of these things happening to me that are you know of, of racist nature. But if that's a position that you were in, are in, still in, you need to take your power back by being better than those who are not educated. Educate yourself. Seek to understand the people around you. Set a better example so that you can vibrate higher. Because this gentleman, he's not even a gentleman. That's not even... I've I've just graduated him into a title that he's undeserving of. this human being, if he is even that, this individual vibrates very low. and see people who vibrate low try to make you try to take you down to that vibration. and and I was. I was vibrating low during that during you know the, the last couple of weeks. Sitting here thinking about this situation and how frustrated I've been by it. But I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to be in that level of vibration anymore. I don't, I don't, I, that's not who I am. That's not how I want to operate. And so I'm choosing to vibrate higher. I'm choosing to focus on the things that are going to allow me to thrive because all he's going to witness is us thriving and, and he can be a hater all he wants. You know, people like that are envious, jealous, and that's honestly how I, how I feel. I feel sad and sorry for this person that he has to sit there and study all his neighbors. And instead of engaging, just creates this type of hostility and tension in our community. And so I have every intention of determining all the ways that I can contribute and be an ambassador in the city for things that are good. And they're gonna see a lot more of me in in a variety of ways from volunteering to sitting on a board, because the way you take your back, your power is by showing up and having even more influence and being able to influence things for good. So I thank him for giving me this newfound energy of things that I am now going to invest my time in to have a broader reach, have a more influential reach and to make positive impact in this city and not the kind of negativity that he's spewing out there, not only to us, but to the, to others around. It is just ugly and it is just bad. And I don't want any of that juju and I don't want any of that energy. So I'm gonna change the game. But I wanna end the episode with this. You know, I don't really ask you as the audience for your thoughts and opinions all the time, but I really do want them in this instance. I want to know, what would you do? in this situation? Would you ignore the individual? Would you engage with them? Would you have a mediated discussion like with law enforcement or something else? I'd love your feedback. I've pontificated having a conversation with him and those that I love have told me that they don't believe it's going to do anything uh, Aaron believes that if we have a conversation with him, it has to be mediated by the police. And uh, I do understand where that comes from. You know, I, one of the, one of the thoughts that I had was if I do happen to engage with them, that he would, you know, spin that conversation or try to tell the police that I came over and, you know, said some things that I didn't say. And, uh, that Because that's certainly the way that this person comes across. And uh, yeah, I don't even have time to think about all that. So I have not done that. We have chosen not to engage. And uh, it's difficult. It's difficult because this is not a person that will stop. Think about it for a second. If you were in my shoes... Every time you had gatherings at your home that you pay for and the police was getting called on you for having people over, every time, what would you do? How would that feel to you? What action would you take? yeah so that's the deal that's the situation i am rising above rising above it managing through it i appreciate the support from those of you that are family and friends that have been privy to this situation it means a lot to me and uh we're Everything that happens in life is something that you can learn from, especially the things that are hard. It's usually the things that are hard that you learn the most from, you know? So with that, thank you for letting me just express something a little bit more personal today. Like I said, very exciting episodes coming to you in the future with great guests, people that will certainly inspire you. But as you know, my message to you is that you are your only limit. So take action today. Make it positive, pay it forward, and do better. Do better than anyone that is being less than a good example. Don't stoop to their level as much as you want to because there is no progress that can be made when you choose to vibrate. At a level that low. I hope you enjoyed this short but insightful episode and you're now caught up on the life of Coach Des. Tune in again next week because there'll be another episode and uh, it won't be, you know, with this level of dramatics, uh, racism and, and and such, but it's real right? We need to be having real conversations. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you all. I love you so much and I'll see you next time.